We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Um, obviously some big news. Uh, you know, the Broncos are tied into Dalvin Cook. But the biggest news is they did sign defensive end Frank Clark who was a free agent from the Kansas City Chiefs just last after, yesterday afternoon. How are you doing, man? You keeping up with the buzz? Uh, I'm doing good. And, yeah, I mean, I was sitting at my – I was sitting at the computer working, writing, working on an article about veterans that have the most pressure on their shoulders. And I click over to Twitter real quick, and there it is. Frank Clark is signing a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was pretty – I don't want to say I was excited about it. I have issues with Frank Clark, but I was – happy they brought in another pass rusher because we've talked at length about how weak this pass rusher unit is and how just how many issues they have staying on the field and frank clark yeah he's missed some games but he's been pretty reliable to see 14 15 games a season yep yep exactly that was that was the one big thing that it was like you know at least this guy is constantly available i think the the least games that he's played over the course of his career is like 14 or something like that he's always available he's always ready to come out and at least contribute from the defensive end position as a pass rusher run defense though this was the one big thing that i had an issue with with frank clark over the past couple of seasons and pretty much for his entire career this dude is again not a very great run defender like he's he's okay he's a guy that can go out there and at least show some effort and make some plays in the backfield but he's not a guy that you really want to see standing up on the edge on the front side of defense uh, of, of the defense against the run. And that was the one thing that I really wanted the Broncos to focus on, which is why I was a big proponent of them going out and getting Marcus Golden, who just signed recently with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Eric, obviously the off-field issues with Frank Clark aside, let's just put those on the back burner. If we, if we get into them, we do. If we don't, whatever. It is what it is. Frank Clark is not the greatest run def- run defender on the edge. And the Broncos are looking for a guy that can actually hold up in that particular area. Randy Gregory with the injury concerns. Baron Browning obviously is coming off of a knee injury, a, a knee surgery uh, from earlier in this offseason. Nick Benito's not been great against the run. Uh, Jonathan Cooper is a lot like Frank Clark, an effort player, but not a guy you really want to be out there all the time. 
is this the right move for the Broncos or is there another guy out there that would have been a better decision to go? Because I'm questioning this big time. Frank Clark is a better run defender than you give him credit for. The issue with his run defense, he is crap at tackling. Yes. And so like it's it, it's it all ends up all for naught cuz he can hold up at the edge. He can set a strong edge. He can sit there and keep, you know, keep the lane clogged and everything. He just when he gets off and he does well to get off blocks, you just can't trust him to secure the tackler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the running back does, you know, picks up extra yards because of that. So that is what hurts his run defense the most. And it's just going to be a constant issue that he has. Mm-hmm. But with the way the defense is in Denver, it can be fine with his missed tackling issues that he has because the biggest, biggest thing that he's going to be doing for run defense is clogging the lane, eating up that block and allowing the linebackers to flow and chase or the safeties to come down and make the play. Still, I'm not saying he's a great run defender. There are still issues there, mm-hmm. but the missed tackles are the biggest issue. And with looking at what was out there, I was fine with it, um, but, you know, the off-field stuff, that is just – I would have rather gone somewhere that wasn't, you know, didn't have all this baggage with them. But at this point, you're not going to find many guys who are like that. that. And that's true. And like I said, the Broncos missed out on Leonard Floyd earlier. They missed out on uh, Marcus Golden was a guy that I highlighted in an article a couple of weeks ago that was – he's a quality run defender. He's a guy that can go out there and be that stern – and uh, forceful edge defender, a, a player that you can really rely on on the front side of the offensive attack to be a, a quality run defender. We do got Troy Boer jumping in here. I want to say hello to everybody in the chat. First things first, we got Joe Mannix, String Guy, Chase Wellner, Angel Rocha, um, Harold Jean, uh, Mike S., everybody for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. But we got Troy jumping in here with a super chat saying, hey, guys, if you could sign one more free agent on defense, who would it be? Would it be Jadevian Clowney, uh, Shelby Harris, Ndamukong Sue, or any other guy? Eric, what do you think off the top of your head? I don't have free agency pulled up right now, but uh, I, I, I have a guy in mind. Um, I would look at Matt Ioannidis. Yeah, I think with what they're with what they're looking for on the defensive line, they still need additional depth there. They need somebody that can possibly come in and start in Deshaun Williams' place. Matt Ioannidis, he had that huge year a couple years ago for the Washington football team, as I think they were called that year. Um, and then he got moved on to Carolina, and now he's a free agent, unless he signed recently, and I just haven't missed it. All right, I haven't yeah. caught it. I'm a big fan of what he does bring to the table. He's a solid, reliable run defender that can do well to get after the quarterback. And for a defensive line that has so much uncertainty with Uwazirike and um, Henningsen as your two primary depth guys right now, Ioannidis brings a little bit more veteran presence to it. And I think that his game type, his game style, is what you want to try to see Matt Henningsen build off of and become similar to that. I'm actually 100% with you. That was the one guy I was going to say was Matt Ioannidis. Uh, The other one, and I'm going to go back to a a former Denver Bronco. I'm not sure what his standing is now with the coaching staff, but uh, Shelby Harris is a guy that I would like to see brought back. Uh, The Broncos have gotten weaker on their defensive line, and this is a – going to tie very well into our conversation for tonight because we're going to break down just the uh, the defensive side of the football and the roster in general and tell you guys, you know, which which position groupings have uh, have improved, which ones are going to kind of have a fall off from this last season. And this defensive line, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, you lose Draymond Jones. 
bring in Zach Allen to replace that. But there are so many questions here and they could use another guy that can play that three technique, maybe slide into the inside and play uh, that the one or two eye technique, something like that. Uh, Matt Ioannidis is a guy that really fits the mold there, but Shelby Harris is a, a very intriguing option if he wants to come back. Now, Eric, I know you know a lot more about this situation than I do. So I'm going to ask your opinion here. What do you think on Shelby Harris potentially being brought back, brought back to this Broncos roster? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, his family's still in, in Denver, and he made it yeah. clear when he was traded to Seattle that he wasn't going to move his family. And that sometimes is why a big reason why a t- player won't go back to the team is they don't want to move their family back to it. But that's not an issue here. I think that the new coaching staff will help ease it up a little bit, but the question is still George Payton. And just how it went about, I mean, Sean or Shelby Harris finding out on – ESPN when he was sitting in the cafeteria at the Broncos facilities that he was traded isn't the best look and honestly that's not the defensive lineman I'd look at uh, to to bring in I mean he's just not good against the run bad at passes are great the two or three he gets in a season and then the two or three four maybe five sacks that he gets yeah sure that's great that's an impact but that's the only impact he brings because he is not you want to talk about Frank Clark being a bad run defender Shelby Harris makes him look outstanding yeah, and that's a fair point. Shelby Harris has always really struggled against the run. He was more of an interior penetrator, a guy that and, – and quite honestly, as much as I like Shelby Harris, I'm going to kind of, I don't know, scour his name here a little bit or whatever you want to call it. For, for as effective as he was as a pass rusher, he was mostly a cleanup guy. Uh, you had Bradley Chubb, you had Von Miller on either side of him. Um, at, there was, I, I believe, some crossover with Shane Ray um, and then also uh, Shaquille Barrett. Those guys – wreaking havoc across the edge really kind of made quarterbacks step up into the pocket where Shelby Harris was able to, um, you know, uh, just to be the finisher of the play. So there's, there's some issues not only with the run, but also with the pass rush. I I just think a familiar name is one that we need to talk about. I got another guy for you though, uh, 28 years old from uh, Jacksonville. 
Dwayne Smoot is an interesting name here. He had a really good game against the Broncos in, in London this last season. A guy that can play inside, can play a little bit on the outside as well, but mostly going to be a, a four-eye guy. Um, what do you think of Dwayne Smoot? Is that an option here? Um, One second here. I got to pull him, pull him up because I'm trying to think. I thought I saw that he signed somewhere just a couple days ago. Um, it, it, but apparently I, I must have been a must have been a visit or something because okay. he's still a free agent and he's he's fine. Um, he's a little bit undersized. He's more of a tweener. Yep. Um, he's not a true he's not a true defensive end. He's not a true edge rusher, mm -hmm. especially in the scheme that Vance Joseph likes to run. Yep. Exactly. So if they want to find themselves a little bit of a tweener, then sure. Like he he can be a guy that they can use in a versatile way, but he's not a guy that I'm looking at to step in and say, yeah, you're going to be a starter on this defensive line. Because for me, that's what they need on this defensive line. They are lacking a starter. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, Jonathan Harris is a guy that's on this defense. You know what? Let's just let's dive into this topic of conversation here. Um, obviously, going into uh, to twenty twenty three, there's a lot of optimism. You know, this defense is maintained relatively intact. Uh, the offense, you know, it has a lot of the same players as well. The coaching staff is really the biggest difference here, but this defensive line is really missing a lot of depth in my, in my opinion, obviously you go in, you go in and get a guy like Zach Allen to come in who had a really good season this last year, underrated player in my opinion, but that's like the premier interior guy that you have as a, as a, as a five technique or a four eye technique, a guy that's going to play on the offensive tackle, uh, Matt Henningsen, uh, an interior outside player. Um, you've got Jonathan Harris, uh, Jordan Jackson, Hagai Nabwisi, um, the the uh, Nigerian, I believe, is where he's from. A player that the Broncos got in the uh, the the Culture Club. What, I can't remember what it's called. Regardless, um, but Mike Purcell is still on the roster. Ayoma Wazarike, and then DJ Jones, who was an absolute superstar this last season, comparatively speaking to everybody else on this roster. Eric. I, my big question here is, what do you think of this defensive line? Are we going to see some improvement from this year, or are they going to have a big drop-off? I mean, you're hoping for a huge step, step forward from Uwazurika and Henningsen. Mm -hmm. You're hoping that one of these young guys, undrafted free agents or second-year guys, take a step forward that aren't Uwazurika and Henningsen. Because right now you're betting on DJ Jones and Zach Allen as your two starters, mm -hmm. And maybe Mike Purcell is your third guy. Maybe you're moving DJ Jones out to a four-eye technique, which he didn't do that well last year um, and really wasn't what he did best in San Francisco either. So putting him out of position to accommodate other somebody to accommodate a third starter, uh, it's, it's tough because even for me, I like Zach Allen. Don't get me wrong. I like what he brings. He's a better run defender than Draymond Jones. But still, yeah. he is a step down in quality as a pass rusher than Draymond Jones is. And I don't think his step up as a run defender is that is a huge significant, like, or a huge mark. Um, so it's a step down there for me overall. I mean, with this topic about what, what ones have improved or haven't improved defensive line hasn't improved. They've gotten worse. They've lost a starter who was, was like 500 snaps on their defense last year. And they haven't replaced that. So I like the potential of it, but right now it is just potential on this defensive line. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go to the 320-pound elephant in the room here in Mike Purcell, who has been 
a solid player. I'm I'm not going to disparage his name 100% here, but he is not a guy that you want to be out there on the field all the time. He's a great run defender, but this the last couple of seasons, he's really taken a step back in that fold. What, what, two years ago when they signed him to that extension that he got, he was one of the best run defenders in the NFL. And there's not another guy behind that. Quite honestly, the only other nose tackle, a guy that can play the zero technique or one, play over the top of the center and eat a whole bunch of space and just be a quality run defender is P.J. Mustafer. And he's an undrafted free agent out of Penn State coming into this season. And quite honestly, he's not a tremendous run defender either. So the Broncos have a lot of holes on this defensive line, specifically along the interior, the edge defender group. We're going to get into that here in just a second, but this defensive line, you got DJ Jones, like you said, Matt Henningsen and Nwazarike, they really need to t- take a step forward. Jonathan Harris is kind of hung around. You're relying on a lot of unproven's here. And then an aging veteran that doesn't bring you much more than a one, quite honestly, one down defender as like a first down defender in Mike Purcell. They got to get better along the interior, a hundred percent. I think this group is going to take a step back this season. They really need to add some more depth. Yeah, Harold Jean has a good question saying, "Who's the best run defender in our budget on the market still?" And this goes back with Troy Boer's question beforehand about about you know still sending somebody on the defensive line. Matt Ioannidis, that's the guy. I mean, he's he's a good quality run defender. He's a solid pass rusher. He's a guy that for what you're looking for. He can fill that role that you've lost in Deshaun Williams because yep. they've made it clear that the defense isn't changing a whole lot, especially up front. Well, who did Deshaun Williams' role for Carolina last year? And it was a somewhat similar defense up front, anyways, with what they did with the defensive line. It was Matt Ioannidis, and Matt Ioannidis had a better year than Deshaun Williams. Yes, he He's did. still a free agent. I mean, it's just – it makes a lot of sense to bring in – I can't imagine he's going to be out of their budget at this point. He's a free agent that's been jumping around the NFL for the last couple of years now. So just it it just makes sense if you want to improve that offense, improve that defensive line and get yourself somebody who can start. I got another name here. I'm looking through free agent tracker on uh, on SpotRack. Um Akeem Hicks, a guy that a lot of Broncos fans were really interested in bringing in when Vic Fangio was a head coach, obviously with the ties to Vic Fangio going back to his time in 2000, I believe 17 and 18 uh, with the Chicago bears. What do you think of Akeem Hicks aging veteran, a guy that still has a little bit of gas in the tank kind of fall off that has fallen off over the, the last couple of seasons. But if nothing else, you're bringing in a veteran body that has experience that can come in and play a multiple different positions that you can play the two I, the three, maybe even outside to the four. Um, what do you, what do you think of Akeem Hicks? Is he a guy you got your eyes on? Uh, no, at this point in his career, I think he's just kind of limited to a zero one technique. Okay. And I mean, if you want to bring in additional depth there and have some, have two people rotate at the position mm-hmm. because Akeem Hicks brings a little bit more on second and third down on obvious yeah. passing downs and Mike Purcell does. So maybe for that, you look at doing it, but you're still missing a, another starter on your on your defensive line and then you still have to accumulate dj jones who is likely going to be playing a lot of zero one technique for the broncos this year unless their plan is to go with dj jones as the four eye and then starting mike purcell so it's he he isn't what he used to be injuries have derailed him age has caught up to him he still has a little bit of gas left in the tank but he is very much a more just interior in the middle kind of kind of guy at this point yeah well and and 
One of the things I want to kind of bring into the fold is you need a guy that can play the two eye and get over the top of the nose because a big part of the Vance Joseph defense is having a quality four eye guy. So you've got to fill that gap in from the inside shoulder of the tackle to the inside shoulder of the offensive center. So you have to have a guy that can play that two eye or inside to get to the one, maybe even over to the zero. So that's kind of where I'm looking at here, uh, a player that can do that. Akeem Hicks still has the ability to do that. So it, he at least catches my attention here. Um, we got a super chat jumping in here. I'm trying to find it. There we go. It's Naj. Naj Altoff. What's up, man? It's good to see you back in the chat it has been a long time since we've got a chance to talk with each other. It's $20 super chat coming off the top rope. Hey brothers. Uh, do you think the lack of attention to signing interior def- defensive linemen is because the coaching staff has seen something in these young guys that make them believe that they are good to go at that position. Eric, this is a quality question for you, man. I mean, it's entirely possible, but when I mean they they didn't get to see a lot of these guys until just recently, until just last what week is when they got got to see some of them on in voluntary OTAs or last week whenever it was before that it was a rookie camp so they haven't seen a lot of them so you're going off of what you saw on tape um, maybe they saw something there that towards the end of the season that gave them hope of them taking a next step forward this year or being a slightly better fit in what little differences there are in the defense. Um, so it's possible. I just don't think it's likely at this point. I think it's just more so a fact that throughout his career, Sean Payton hasn't had a super high value on the interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. It was something that was often a somewhat neglected there in New Orleans that when they would find a guy, well, then you end up, they end up going away. Um, not interior defensive line, not edges, edges he obviously valued, but your three to zero technique guys just not that valued. And I think that we're seeing that in play here. I actually agree with you. And quite honestly, I think that you're, you're let's tie in another point to this. Uh, the linebackers, off ball linebackers, guys that can really attack the a gap and, and blitz the a gaps blitz inside. That was a, another thing that Sean Payton valued guys that could eat space along the interior defensive line and open up running lanes for the linebackers to go and create those fills. That's what the saints defense was for, 10 years practically that mm-hmm. uh, they had guys like tomorrow Davis, Zach Bond was a big part of that. Uh, I'm forgetting guys off the top of my head. Um, just kind of riffing here, but that was a big thing. They always had quality linebacker play guys that can move all over the, all over the defensive front. They could play in coverage. They could play moving forward. They could play moving backwards. So when you watch the Broncos go in and draft a guy like drew Sanders, who is a prototypical guy that is a, a great a gap blitzer, a guy that can move forward, move backwards, move laterally, and it gives you some value off of the edge as well. It makes a lot of sense to where you were just talking about there. So I really do appreciate you bringing that point up to the conversation. Um, go, go ahead. I, 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 finish your point really fast. I want to grab this next super chat. Just want to say, Naj, I hope to see you at the meet and greet this year. Yes, it's always yes. a choice. Yes, absolutely, man. I'm I'm gonna be there, guys. I, I announced it a couple of weeks ago. I am gonna be at the meet and greet this year. Uh, plans are, have already been made, so I will be there to to enjoy the meet and greet with everybody as well. Uh, Jason Bruton jumping in here, uh, saying with the ten dollars super chat. Thank you, uh, Jason, for that. We and also a new name. I don't think we've seen Jason in here, Eric. If if, if I'm 
wrong, correct me on that. But thank you, Jason, for joining us. Hopefully you enjoy your time here and hopefully you come back next week as well. And thank you for your donation. We appreciate that, man. Uh, if Wilson does poorly, talking about Russell Wilson here, if Russell Wilson does poorly again this year, let's try for the first cross-sport trade and get Nikola Jokic as the quarterback. This dude is always dropping dimes. Yes, sir. And hashtag go Nuggets. I'm a, I'm a big Nuggets fan. Uh, obviously, they play here in about 10 minutes, I believe, is when tip-off for Game 4 starts. Nuggets up 2-1 in the NBA Finals, looking to bring the uh, first NBA Finals trophy back to Denver. Eric, have you followed the Nuggets at all? I mean, I followed them a little bit, and uh, I'm rooting for them. Um, I know this is kind of sacrilegious, because if I remember right, they're actually in the same division. But the Nuggets and the Jazz are the two teams that I always find myself like yeah. whenever I do catch basketball. That's why I root for. I've seen the Jazz play multiple times. And the Nuggets, you know, just the connection that I have with Colorado and Denver specifically, I always find myself rooting for them. Yeah, I, big time. Go Nuggets. This is a crucial game. I, I think the, the Nuggets need to win game four. They need to go back to Denver up 3-1 because if they go into Denver up 3-1, they will win the NBA Finals in Denver. It'd be the first time, I believe, since 2001. Or maybe, maybe not even then. It was it, it was one of the Avalanche uh, championships where they actually won the title in Denver. So, you know that ball arena is going to be rocking. It's going to be an absolute awesome time. So uh, yes, shout out, go nuggets. Absolutely go nuggets. And I hope to see Michael Porter jr. Take a big step tonight. Like they really need to get some shooting on the uh, offensive side of the ball. That's not Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray back to the Broncos here. Sorry about that. I wanted to give the shout out here. Uh, Let's let's move outside a little bit off the, uh, on the defensive line. Let's talk about this edge group. Obviously, the Broncos just brought in Frank Clark. Uh, they have Randy Gregory coming back from the injury. Baron Browning uh, should be ready from all reports, should be ready to go sometime in training camp to come back and participate coming off of arthroscopic knee surgery to kind of clean some stuff up in there. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, you got Nick Benito, obviously. Uh, Aaron Patrick's still on the roster. I'm forgetting a name and I, I uh, apologies for that, but Eric, um, what is the move of Frank Clark bring, like bringing him in? What does that do for this, this room? Because I know that you and I both pretty much everybody in Broncos country has been pounding the table for the Broncos to add, to add an edge. Does Frank Clark prove enough of an upgrade for you moving into 2023? Yeah. I mean, outside of that, the room was pretty stagnant. Mm -hmm. Randy Gregory, who can't stay on the field. Baron Browning, who can't stay on the field. Nick Benito, who still didn't show a whole lot at any point in last season outside of like one or two pass rushes. Jonathan Cooper, who's solid. And then you brought in Aaron Patrick. I mean, you have Aaron Patrick as a solid special teamer, oh, uh, not really a defender. And then you have maybes and Thomas Incum and Christopher Allen. Yep. Frank Clark gives them some something more. It gives them a it does give them a boost. And with where this position ended last year, last year, um, after they traded away Bradley Chubb. It is an approved unit because of the addition of Frank Clark. As crappy of a person he is, he is a solid football player that can get after the quarterback, and he brings attitude to the defense as well, which was something that last year after, you know, with Randy Gregory especially going down, you lost that attitude on the defensive front because Gregory has that in spades. So I, I like it. I do have a question if Gregory and Clark can keep themselves out of trouble on the field because they both can chat and draw some penalties a little bit 
but it is still a improved unit from where it ended last year. I think so as well. And quite honestly, I want to go to the last two guys in this room and Thomas Enkum, who is a, a damn good run defender. If nothing else, like he he's super raw as a pass rusher, but this dude knows how to get after it in the running game. Like he knows how to fill his gaps. He's a really good tackler in the backfield. Um, very high upside guy, but you you really want to see more as a pass rusher. I want to ask you specifically, though, you talked about Christopher Allen. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent out of Alabama this last season, a guy that was really unheralded in that Alabama defense for what he was able to do both as a pass rusher and as a run defender. Do you think that he might be able to crack this opening day roster? Like, He's going to be a guy to look out for on the practice squad. But do you think that Christopher Allen could knock off a guy like Aaron Patrick, who's going to be a special teams player for sure? But is there enough upside with Allen that he could be a final guy, like the fifth edge on this team? It, it's possible. An edge is a position where maybe you see someone like Jonathan Cooper get moved during training camp to help ease it up or ease the congestion that they have at the bottom of the position. Um, it, it's po- it's possible he does. It would de- it would re- depend on how Christopher Allen does on special teams, mm-hmm. which, if I remember right, wasn't a whole lot of exposure in college, and what exposure there was wasn't that great, right? Um, and this is a this is a special teams unit that wasn't good last year, and losing Aaron Patrick was a huge injury that they suffered on the special teams unit. I mean. While they weren't great beforehand, they got significantly worse after he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a. It, I'll be curious to see if Christopher Allen can. Obviously, there's the whole thing of if Aaron Patrick will be ready to go by the start of the season too, with when he got hurt. Um, but I think right now, I think Thomas and Coom has that final spot over Christopher Allen when, when it comes to the edge room, just because Encoom he's shown he can be a solid special teamer. He's a solid run defender. And he's got plenty of upside as a pass rusher. And there's some tools to already there to work with. And yeah. there's not the severe injury history. Yeah, it, he's got bend, man. I was watching some tape on him the other day, and he's got a lot of bend for for a guy like that, that, that developmental player. There's there's a lot to like about Thomas Incum. Harold Jean jumping in saying, will Aaron Patrick be on the roster this season? He tore his ACL versus the Rams. That also ties into this conversation. And Right. Could be you got, a reason it why happened earlier in the season, though it wasn't against the Rams. It was week no, six. It, was I'm trying to remember. Uh, it was week six, exa- I, right? I, I, you're 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 correct on that. Uh, it was. I, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. He was running off the field essentially, and, and he stepped on a, uh, he stepped on one of the mats that covers the cables on the side of the field. Yep, yep, and and he actually, I think, sued the NFL. For that, or sued he's doing the he's doing the team in the state uh, the stadium uh, caretakers and the NFL over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It that's it, actually kind of an interesting story to to follow along there. Um, let's transition back just a little bit here. Uh, let's go back to the off ball linebacker position, and I want to bring another one that's going to tie everything in together. I mentioned his name earlier. Obviously, uh, you've got Josie Jewell and you've got Alex Singleton, guys that are are coming back for this year that played very well this last season. But a guy that the Broncos just drafted in Drew Sanders, let's tie him into the edge room just a little bit and what he could potentially bring as a blitzer coming off or, or uh, potentially as an edge defender. What is his role on this team moving forward in his rookie season? Like, what do you expect to see from him 
going out in 2023? I mean, it really depends. I still think that there's a chance that he can end up as a starter. Um, there's been, you know, rumblings of trading, moving on from Josie Jewell with the expense of Alex Singleton and freeing up a little bit of money from Josie Jewell, which makes even more sense now when you add Frank Clark, because the Broncos said about 5.56 million left in salary cap after eating 6.5 million for Frank Clark's deal. 1 million possibly if he reaches it, will come against the camp next year, next year for it because they're uh, challenging uh, bonuses. But it's so so with that in mind even if he doesn't i think he's still going to have a sizable role and it's going to be very down and distance dependent because he can line up you know as an off-ball linebacker and blitz the mm-hmm. a-gaps he does do all does do well in dropping in coverage in certain zones that you can try and you know bait quarterbacks a little bit with that and you could even drop him down and play the edge and just provide a little extra oomph to your pass rush, depending on again the down and distance. Third and like fifteen plus, yeah, you may as you may as well, and then stack up heavy on the defensive line with your pass rushers and let them all go after it. Uh, so I think he's going to have a pretty sizable role on defense, even as a rookie. No matter what happens with Josie Jewell, if Josie Jewell does you know get let go or traded or whatever, then I think obviously he's going to step in as a starter. What? I, I guess the one big question I have to to piggyback off of that is. The, the Baron Browning knee injury, the, the knee surgery, is, is that a potential opportunity for Drew Sanders to see the field even earlier? Because they they do a lot of very similar things. Like Baron Browning can play off the ball. He could, He's not the best in coverage, but he at least has the ability to do that. And he's a very – like a high-quality blitzer coming on twists and stunts, you know, it, it, playing on, on the edge. I'm not talking like off ball, but blitzing the A-gaps. But like he, he does enough – like – lateral agility movement stuff where he can come in and, and be a guy like that. Does, does Drew Sanders kind of get a boost in, in the rotation here because you don't know the future of Baron Browning right now? Uh, no, I think that you're going to see the bigger boost happen with Nick Benito. Okay. Um, while Baron Browning and Drew Sanders are similar as are kind of that hybrid, the areas where they excel at are the complete opposites. Drew Sanders, where he excels at is better suited for an off ball linebacker mm-hmm. spot. Whereas, Baron Browning is much better suited coming off the edge. Sure, you can mix them up, and being able to mix them up if Baron Browning is able to stay out there on the field and stay healthy could really cause a lot of confusion with for opposing quarterbacks. Of uh, you're lining them both up in the a in the a gap, and who's dropping, who's coming, or you're going to line them up next to each other uh, on the outside and have Sanders play a little bit more wide then yeah, who's coming, who's going, just create a little bit extra confusion. So you can see stuff like that. But I, I don't think Baron Browning's injury, again, they expect him back by at some point during training camp. Yep. I don't think that's going to see an increase for Drew Sanders as it will for Nick Benito. Yeah, that that's a really good point, quite honestly, because it, we've, we all know everybody that's watched Dove Valley Deep Divers for the last year, even going back to uh, the NFL draft in 2022, you and I both did not like the the pick of Nick Benito because he's such a liability in the running game. Like this dude is, he does a good job keeping his outside arm free, but for the most part, he does not have any idea how to actually set an edge. Drew Sanders actually has the, the ability to do that. So that, that's a very astute point. And thank you for bringing that up. Let's move back a little bit, go more to the towards the inside here. This off ball linebacker group, obviously we just got talk, done talking about Baron Browning and, um, and Drew Sanders, but Alex Singleton, 
just got brought back on a, on a fairly decent deal for him. I, what was it? Two years, $6 million, something like that. Um, Josie Jewell in the last year of his deal that he signed a, a couple of years ago. And then you're going to get the return of Jonas Griffith, a guy that the Broncos I knew for a long time were very high on. He dislocated his elbow, I believe, last season, um, has really kind of battled through injuries, saw a little bit of time, but for the most part has been one of those up-and-coming ascending players that everyone's super, super excited about in Dove Valley to watch. Add in Drew Sanders and in Barrett Browning, whatever their roles are going to be on the off-ball side of things. What do you think of this off-ball linebacker group, Eric? I mean, I think it's exactly what it is last year, basically. Um, Drew Sanders is a nice addition, and he does see an improvement to the room. Mm-hmm. But again, you're still looking at – you have Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell. Those are your presumed starters right now. Obviously, Alex Singleton back um, will definitely be after his three-year $12 million extension that he signed. Josie Jewell, there's still, the, there's still the question there. Maybe something happens there in training camp. Drew Sanders shows out, and they're like, okay, yeah, we're ready to move forward with Drew Sanders, getting him out there on the field right away, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be you know, so out of the norm for Vance Joseph. He likes to get his rookies, especially the versatile linebackers that he get, has worked with, he likes to get them out there on the field right away. So maybe they make a move on from there. Jonas Griffith, probably just a special teams guy this year. Injuries really derailed him last year. I mean, he got hurt there in the preseason, caused him to miss some time, and then he never really took a step forward after some of the promise that he showed mm-hmm. in the season at the end of the season before that. Um, so overall, it's a good, it's a solid group. I mean, they don't have that star at the moment that you know everybody thinks that you need at linebacker, but it's a it's a group that can work and can see a solid defense be built around. So just a matter of going out there and executing and getting the job done which that is always the question with any position and any player, any team. Yeah. So one of the biggest issues that this Broncos team has had over the last seemingly 25 years is covering tight ends. And Josie Jewell, while he's a very heady player, understands where he needs to get to his drops, um, understands, you know, passing concepts, route concepts, stuff like that. Alex Singleton just flies all over the field. Drew Sanders has the ability to, you know, play in coverage and, and rush the passer, just be an overall dynamic player for, for a defensive front. What do you think of this team going against a, a, the Kansas City Chiefs right now and, and Travis Kelsey, who's obviously the best tight end in the NFL? Um, the, the, like, is this still going to be a problem? Or are the Broncos actually going to have – a tight end eraser on this roster. Well, to, to start off with the issues against the tight ends for the last two years have been greatly exaggerated and they haven't been, they haven't been as bad as the Broncos have. In fact, or as a lot of people make it out to be, in fact, last year up until like week 13, they were in the top five when limiting tight ends. Mm -hmm. And there is no eraser for Travis Kelsey. That's just, that's a myth that, fans want to have want to see but there isn't any such thing everybody talks about Devin white erasing him in the super bowl he still had a pretty darn good game hit 11 and catches 135 yards 11 yeah catches, and if you're having if you're sitting there and having to focus your coverage around him like the tampa bay buccaneers did yeah they still managed to go and win the game but it does open up other people and again kelsey, kelsey still made his made his place travis kelsey he's done He's had his moments against the Broncos, but he's also had some issues against them as well over the last few years. 
um, th- this last year, he only caught just over like 110 yards in both between both games against them. Um, and I think one touchdown in last season, like, so he can, he can be slowed down. He can be limited, but there is no eraser. You don't have to worry about that. You just got to figure out what you can do to erase them and erase them without, you know, creating an opening for somebody else, which is what the Broncos have done. And they did it last year against Darren Waller too. They limited what Darren Waller was able to do for the Raiders, but then they just let Josh Jacobs control the game. Yeah. yeah Keith, Brug- Keith Brugman jumps in and says, nobody stops Travis Kelsey. Like, name a team that does. It, it, it's not possible. When you have a, a, a mismatch like that, a guy that understands, you know, the soft spots and zones, understands how to get open, understands uh, his his body control and stuff like that. Like, nobody, nobody stops Travis Kelsey. Um there was another question. I forgot what it was, what I was going to ask you. I, I do apologize for that. I, we got a comment coming in here from a Facebook user saying, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott um, coming in late and Facebook stars isn't working. Just wanted to say great show. And thank you to whoever this is. I, I do apologize for not being able to see your name. Uh, there's a, a, a user sharing issue on, on Facebook right now. Um, we're, we're not allowed to, stream to Facebook for some reason, don't know exactly what's going on. And we do apologize. And thank you for your support. I, I do want to say thank you for that. Um, it, it, it means a lot to us. It absolutely means a lot to us. You guys are what keeps the lights on here at MHH. Um, you, you help us do everything we can do to cover the Denver Broncos. It gives Eric a, a full-time job opportunity with your guys' support. So thank you for joining us. We definitely appreciate that 100%. And we do apologize for the technical issues over on the Facebook side of things. Um, Unfortunately, we couldn't figure that out before. Oh, Facebook just connected. Facebook just connected. So sorry that we're late to Facebook. We do apologize for that. Uh, obviously, 40 minutes into the show right now. So uh, thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate every single person for joining us every single night uh, across all of the, the Mile High Huddle shows, and especially here on Dove Valley Deep Divers here on a Friday night. Thank you so much to everybody. Now, Eric, Let's get back to this topic of conversation here. Uh, linebackers, I'm a little bit higher on this room. I think that Drew Sanders is going to bring a lot to this room. I, I think that his ability to do just multiple things, he's going to be like that defensive Swiss Army knife that you can line up out in the slot, have him cover a tight end. You can have him rush off the edge. You can have him blitz the A-gaps. You can, you can have him do just so many different things. And Vance Joseph has shown a proclivity for – playing with guys like that, like Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, just trying to find as many creative roles within his defense as possible. This to me seems like a very Vance Joseph style of a pick, a guy that you can just do so much with. What do you think on that? I mean, he is, he fits that similar mold, but I just think that the, you know, Zayvon Collins a couple years ago drafted to Arizona a lot of people have compared Drew Sanders to him and how mm-hmm. he's been used there in Arizona. Well, he's been used as an A-gap blitzer, very limited off the edge, who's working as an off-ball linebacker, that they put a lot on. The defense ran through Zayvon Collins in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's great to have the versatility if you're going to be able to use it. And while I have defended Vance Joseph on here about how he's not as bad as everybody makes him out to be in his track record as a defensive coordinator is actually kind of, is actually pretty good outside of, you know, 2022 when injuries hit the defense in Arizona, like absolute, like almost as bad as the Broncos and everything just fell off. 
they've been pretty like top 12 pretty consistently which mm-hmm. yeah, yeah not great but it's still good um but he's never really been able to fully take advantage of versatility from his players um so i it's why i kind of am a little hesitant to talk about drew sanders being used in such a versatile role it's just not something we've seen from vance joseph do before yeah that's a fair point that's actually a very fair point. Let's go back to the secondary here. I want to I want to talk about cornerbacks and and safeties here because I'm very bullish on this cornerback and safety room, like very very bullish. You've got a top three cornerback on the field, and he's not number three. He's one or two, and probably not two as well. Um, you've got a great safety, a top five safety in the NFL, and Justin Simmons. Um, you've got a bunch of versatile players that can play on the inside, on the outside, K1 Williams, you've got, uh, Damari Mathis. You just drafted, uh, Riley Moss. You bring back K, uh, Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns is coming back healthy. Uh, PJ Locke has shown at least a competent player. This secondary might be the best unit on this Broncos defense. Like quite honestly, like, they are very, very good. And it's going to be, they fit, especially in with what Vance Joseph wants to do, running a lot of man covers, a lot of cover three. You've got a rangy safety. You've got a lockdown man coverage cornerback. You got another lockdown man coverage cornerback, and I guess two of them on the outside: Demari Mathis and, and Riley Moss. Eric, dude, this this room's nasty. It, it's it's a nasty secondary on this Broncos team. What do you think, man? It is carried by Patrick Sertan and Quan Williams oh. and Justin Simmons. Okay, okay. I, I was gonna say if you if you're just gonna say it's carried by Patrick Sertan, we're gonna have to go rounds on this one. The issue is is that your presumed second starter at safety has played a total of 585 snaps on defense over two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna hype up Caden Stearns. I liked him. I liked him a lot coming out, but outside of one game, we haven't seen it because when he was on the field last year starting. He struggled. He wasn't good last year. Um, His one good game was back in his rookie season, and even then, it was because of three or four plays that he made and ignoring the hole, which wasn't that great. Then you have P.J. Locke, who hasn't even played 200 snaps on defense. Like I know there's a lot of hype about him, but again, we haven't seen it. He's a solid special teams player, and that's what we have seen. Kareem Jackson, he's old. He's over the hill. He's just – he's veteran presence. He's veteran insurance. But the dude can't run. We saw him get beat because he's so slow and so late to react multiple times last year, leading to points for the other team. Cornerback is is strong. You have Patrick Chetan, you have Quad Williams, Damari Mathis started off rough last year and started to get back, get better a little bit, though his play got drastically overhyped because of the amount of time he saw because of injuries. He was good, not as great as a lot of people are making up to be. I'm excited about the addition of Riley Moss, but you have Asong Basi backing up in the slot, and that's just a no-go. Um, Tremont Smith, he's been brought in for special teams ability and returner. You have Jaquan McMillan, Delonte Hood, Fayon Hicks, and Art Green all competing for the rest of it, and I'm not sure there's a spot for any of them unless they yeah, are no. able to beat Asong Basi because you have five guys at the – four guys that I have that are basically set to make the roster. One guy who's essentially set because of special teams and Tremont Smith, so that leaves Basi and the other four – to compete for the spot. It is the best position. It is the best grouping there is on the Broncos defense. 
but it still isn't a outstanding group by itself. Right. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that last statement. Not a hundred percent. I I do agree with that. There, there still needs to be a lot of improvement and I'm, I'm, I'm basing my hype up here it, First things first, we got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Good evening, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham with a B. By the way, YouTube, don't don't cancel me. Uh, he was watching on YouTube as well. So thank you, Michael, for joining us. As always, it's always good to see you and appreciate your support. We got Greg Smith jumping in here. Good evening, Broncos country, Denver Broncos for life. So thank you, Greg, as well. Uh, Keith Brugman jumping in here saying Kareem Jackson had a career high in tackles last year. And- I want to grab this for a second. And it was because of the assisted tackles he made. Mm -hmm. He had 39 assisted tackles last year because of how late he was. 55 of them solo, solo, which was about middle of the pack. But one thing that I have heard coaches say over and over again, when your safeties have a high tackle count, it's not a good sign. It's a bad sign. It reflects badly on the defense in general. And it's even worse when it's a high amount of assisted tackles for it. Um, well, it was and, great that Kareem Jackson. It was great that Kareem Jackson had those tackles and everything, but I mean the missed tackles, the missed plays that he had because he was out of position because he was late to react. The amount of touchdowns he gave up as a result of that, like it's just clear he's lost a step. Like he's still a smart player and he can read the run decently well and get into position, but he's just completely lost in coverage. Which this is a passing NFL. Like it's a passing game. So to me, and 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 Keith. I, I appreciate you for bringing that in here. That also goes to show the the lack of ability to stop the run in uh, on the edge this last season. After Bradley Chubb left, it was awful trying to stop the run, and people got outside of the tackles often. And Kareem Jackson, what what he brings not only in leadership is his ability to drive down the field and run the alley as a safety and go make tackles in open field. He did miss a lot of tackles and. and Alex Singleton, for a guy that was top six in the NFL last season in tackles, he missed a shit, a crap load of tackles. Sorry, I almost cussed. I think I did actually cuss. He missed a crap load of tackles out on, in in the open field and was still top six in the NFL in tackles. Like there's 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 a, a point of being an effective tackler and actually being good as a player. And Kareem Jackson where he was out there cleaning up tackles, he was not great in coverage. Like he was, he's a, a great player moving forward. He brings the physicality. He does a great job in run support, but he's also bad in the back end. He doesn't have the hip fluidity anymore. He doesn't have the first step acceleration you need to have as a backside safety. He doesn't have the ability to do and play what the Broncos need him to do. He's going to bring leadership. He's going to bring Ability in the red zone. I think that his his football IQ, his ability to play in the red zone, put himself in the right position, and then go make a play on the football in the red zone is a very great thing to bring. I think he's here for a bigger role more than on the field. I think he's here for the locker room. You've got – And real Stern. quick. Go, go ahead. Go, I, I want to finish my thought, go, but go ahead. And since you're talking about missed tackles, Kareem Jackson also had his highest number of missed tackles last year and his highest mm-hmm. percentage of it. Um, yep. He missed 17.4% of his tackles, 19 yep. of them. Yep. Um, missed tackles were always an issue with Kareem Jackson, but the last two years, it's finally, it broke over 15% both years. Um, he had one year where he was right at 15% and everything else was below that. Um, so missed tackles have been an issue for Kareem Jackson, which brings into reli- reliability issues that were always there. And when he is 
late to react and he ends up being essentially literally the last line of defense when he misses a tackle well then that's an extra 10 15 yards that the offense is getting because you have to hope that justin simmons or caden Cerns or whoever was next to him is able to react in time and bring down the ball carrier last year was also when he played the most snaps ever in his career playing yeah. over playing 1137 it, it, what 99% of the snaps i think he only missed one I think he only literally missed one snap on defense this last season. It, it, it's If it's not one, it's very close to one. Um, with Kareem Jackson, I, I want to finish this point here. And then I've got a question here because people have been talking about it in the chat. And I want to acknowledge the chat. Um, but with Kareem Jackson, he's not here to be a full-time player. And if he is, then th- this is piss-poor management by the Broncos. He's here <laughs> to – it means that Caden Stearns didn't step up. What? Well, uh, that's also that's also a very a very astute point. But he's here to mentor these guys. It, like Caden Stearns is a prototypical Kareem Jackson replacement. And if he's not the prototypical Kareem Jackson replacement, then JL Skinner is. The Broncos went out and picked a guy that was widely considered a top 100 player and JL Skinner, they got him in the sixth round because he tore his pectoral muscle going into the, uh, the NFL combine training. So you've got a guy that is a six, four super long player that plays very well moving forward and attacking, uh, attacking ball carriers is a great tackler. That's the guy that I think that the Broncos are looking for Kareem Jackson to mentor quite honestly. Like it, so uh, let's see. Justin Simmons is in his thirties. You shouldn't need Kareem Jackson as a mentor with Simmons on the team. I, I disagree with that. I, and and the the reason why is because Justin Simmons has never been that kind of a player. He's a leader off the field. He's not a leader on the field. Like he like, needs to be a leader on the field. He does. Yeah, he's I, one I, of the I, best I, players you have in your secondary on your defense. Have, he needs to be a leader on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't disagree with that, but. That's that's not the type of person that Justin Simmons is. He's not a. Then he's not worth like, what he's getting paid. Oh man, I we we could go down a rabbit hole on this one. Run out of time. I I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying, but for the the type of exactly person that, the point I'm making for how much he makes. He it's not you're not paying him just for his play. You're paying him to be a leader on and off the field. Hey, we see it off the field. Show it on the field. That has always been a question of Justin Simmons. Right. If you want to stay around, if you want to be extended, if you want to remain a Bronco, he needs to finally step up in this leadership thing. And it's something that he knows. He's talked about it. He just hasn't done it yet. Right. And if for how much you're paying him, for his age, for his experience that you're having, you shouldn't have to have Kareem Jackson on the roster to just help coach up the young guys. That right. should be part of Justin Simmons' responsibilities. Well, and I guess this goes back to it. Let's let's do some comparisons here because if if you want to talk about Justin Simmons as a leader on the field, uh, what is he doing there? Hey, hey guys, let's let's do our jobs. Let, let's have some fun out here today. Uh, yeah, whatever doesn't matter. He's not Kareem Jackson who's out here throwing cuss words and like hyping people. He's not a he's not Ray Lewis. He's not Drew Brees. He's not. It doesn't have to be. Manic. There's more types of leadership than that. You don't have to curse that people to lead them. You don't have to sit well, there and I'm be throwing curses all the time to lead. You can. There's different types of leadership, and Justin Simmons just has to find his way of doing it and step into it. You don't need Kareem Jackson just to be a leader on an, or be a leader on the field. Because guess what? If you're buying him to help teach these guys and be a leader on the field, 
you're not wanting him to be on the field. What? You, that's something that you said yourself. You're not wanting him on the field. And if he's seeing a lot of time on the field, then that's piss poor management. Well, then how can he be a leader on the field when he's just on the sideline? Who's going to be that guy in between plays there? Because he can't go out there, you know, between plays and try to hype up the guys. He can do it from the sideline. But, hey, so what? Can So can everybody else. Right. Like, it is time for Justin Simmons. And it's not just because of what you said about Kareem Jackson. It's because I'm tired of whenever we talk about Justin Simmons, it always gets ignored that he's not a leader on this defense. He doesn't have a voice on the field and he needs to find it. You're absolutely And correct. that's part that's part of what I'm what leads my frustration whenever we discuss Justin Simmons or anybody discusses Justin Simmons. Nobody is willing to sit there and mention that. They talk about how great of a leader is he off the field. All the stuff he does off the field. That is great. Don't want to take away from that. That is awesome that he does all that. But we saw that we Von Miller he got crapped on for years because he never really developed into a leader on the field, despite what he did off the field. Mm-hmm. Why is Justin Simmons getting a pass for it? He doesn't. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't need it. And you don't need when you have somebody like him who is can be as vocal as he is off the field. You should be able to see it on the field as well. Why haven't we? That's a that's a great question and. Again, you bring another very astute point to this. I get. I guess my thing is I'm not looking for that from from a guy like Justin Simmons. And Why? It, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't have a tangible reason to put on that. I, I really don't. And I think it's because of the person that he is off of the field. He does need to bring that to the field. He does need to bring that. The, the vocal leadership, the the want to do everything. It, like it, when you watch him on the field, you just know he's going to be a great player and he covers up for everybody else's mistakes, but he doesn't ever raise anybody. Except his own. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's. He makes, there's fun, he makes plenty of mistakes, but he just oh, makes. Absolutely. You know, some of those big plays help cover up for it. And yeah. Like, it, Justin it, Simmons it, is a good, well, everybody, a good player. Yeah. Every, everybody makes mistakes on the field. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I. I I guess I'm voicing my support and frustration with Justin Justin Simmons in in the the wrong way here. Uh, don't, I don't want to continue on this conversation to tell you the truth. Uh, I, the the one thing that gets me is that you bring a guy in like like uh, like Kareem Jackson to be the guy that is the 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 ultra veteran guy the the savvy guy the the guy that is going to show these young guys how to play a role that they need to fill because Justin Simmons has his own role like he is his own player in this defense you're looking for a player that re, re, replaces Kareem Jack it, it, it's a lot like going back to the TJ Ward conversation back in in 2015 2016 you have the enforcer role the Broncos don't have that right now. They, they don't have a player that actually fits that mold. Justin Simmons it was like Darian Stewart. He was the guy that ranged on the backside. It was a guy that brought some physicality, was a playmaker. TJ Ward was the guy that brought the attitude. He was the guy that literally punched you in the face every single play. The Broncos don't have that right now. Kareem Jackson was that guy, and they're looking for that replacement. Justin Simmons is not the guy to teach anybody to do that. He's not that type of player. He's not that type of leader. He's not that type of attitude. Kareem Jackson is. So I'm assuming that you wanted to touch on Cook real quick before we got out of here. Yes, I do. I do actually want to grab on this. Um, I, I 
I was a big proponent, like a, a, a big guy that wanted the Broncos to come in and um, and sign Dalvin Cook when he was officially re- released from the Minnesota Vikings. We'd all talked about that for what two weeks now, um, and then they went out and signed Frank Clark. And I was superiorly disappointed. Uh, I, Eric, I know that you were not necessarily very happy about it. I know a lot of Broncos country is very high on the move. I'm not. I think that while the edge room needed to have an addition to it, Frank Clark is not the right guy. The running back room needs needs an addition. And they need a guy. They need a legitimate player. And Dalvin Cook was that dude. Eric, do you think the Broncos still have the opportunity to sign him? Like, is there a way that they can move some money around, whether it's through Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, um, maybe even Randy Gregory restructuring some stuff to to figure out a way to get Dalvin Cook on this roster? Because they need a guy. They they need a player at the running back room. They They need one. I mean, there's always the possibility of restructures. I wouldn't touch, you know, Cortland Sutton's contract. I wouldn't touch Justin Simmons. I wouldn't touch Randy Gregory's. I wouldn't touch anybody who you're uncertain if they're going to be part of the Broncos this time next year. And those are all guys that you don't you don't know that. Um, Justin Simmons, his name came up in trade rumors. Um, Garrett Bowles, his name has, was part of trade rumors. Cortland Sutton. Um, there's a reason why those guys, Randy Gregory included, were four of the five guys five veterans with the most pressure on them because mm-hmm. we don't know if they're going to be here next year. So you're not touching their contract because you want to leave that o- option open. Um, if you want to add up additional cap space, cause you're going to need it. If you want Dalvin cook, you're not going to be able to sign Dalvin cook unless it's for a multi-year deal where you have a low base salary year one, but high bonuses, high signing bonus to spread out the cap hit over multiple years. Right. Because Denver yeah. only sits about 5.5, 6 million or so after the Frank Clark contract. Um, maybe, you know, you go out, of, go out of your way and you cut Lloyd Cushenberry and just say, Hey, we're going to go and we're going to let Fuller, we're going to let, um, Forsyth compete. Why Cushenberry? Because that saves you about $2.5 million against the salary cap. Mm-hmm. Maybe you look at Mike Purcell, who saves you a decent amount against the salary cap as well. Yep. Um, maybe you just part ways with KJ Hamler, who frees up just a little bit under around 900,000, which isn't a lot. There's not a lot of moves at this point that can free up a lot of cap space. Right. Um, so I don't think Dalvin Cook is likely unless they get really creative with their structuring. And that creativity is going to be they're going to commit to him for two to three years with a high signing bonus, low base salary this year, and then go from there. Yeah. What What do you think about um, – and, and this is like off-the-wall chain, like chain 25 down the link of, of, of this rope – um, what do you think of Dalvin Cook trying to stick it to the Minnesota Vikings where they still owe him $2 million this season? Is, is there an opportunity for a team where it uh, can offer him like a, a league minimum contract and he's still going to collect that money from the Minnesota Vikings? Because there are specific offset language in Dalvin Cook's contract where if he signs for over $2 million, the Minnesota Vikings are off the hook on that money. He was a, a quality cornerstone player for that franchise for six seasons and is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Is there a personal vendetta factor here where the Broncos could potentially get themselves off the hook because they have George Payton, the guy that that drafted Dalvin Cook, what, 35th overall back in 2016, where they could say, you know what, 
we're going to bring you in veteran minimum. Screw the Vikings. You're going to carry over. They're going to pay you $2 million on the top. You play this one season here in a limited role. You're going to continue to get healthy because we've got Javante Williams. We've got some AJP Ryan. You're going to play in a, in a, a, a three running back rotation. Is this a possibility or am I thinking like some crazy off the wall fandom theory here? So how offsetting works is he's owed that $2 million by the Vikings. Whatever he signs for, the Vikings don't have to pay that. Mm-hmm. So if he signs for $1 million somewhere, they still have to pay him $1 million, and then he gets $1 million for somewhere else. I don't think that's going to be a huge deal. Right, okay. I, I think that he's going to want money, or he's going to want a ring chase, and most likely he's going to want both. He is still solid. I mean, he still can carry the ball. He can still go and pick up 900,000 yards. You can still be a focal point on offense, really. So I don't think it matters. I think he's going to be looking for at least $6 million on average per year basis, if not more. Like So, again, I don't see the Broncos being able to do that unless they get creative with it or unless he's really willing to take a discount to return to George Payton, who was one of the guys in the front office who was part of the group that drafted him, mm-hmm. and play for, you know, play for Sean Payton. And an offense that is very obviously going to be run heavy with yeah. a, your top back who is recovering from an injury. So yeah. there are things they could do to sell that, but it's just a matter of you got to work that price down. Yeah. Uh, 30 seconds left here. We got Keith Brogman jumping in here. How about Kareem Hunt? I mean, they already added some crappy people, so why not add another one? <laughs> to be fair, for as much crap as I get for being crappy people, I can't remember which coach it was was that said it, but it was just a few years ago. And the coach said, you can't win championships with just good people. Every team, every team that's won a Super Bowl, there's always been those questionable characters on it. Always. And always will be. Um, Kareem Hunt, the football player, the receiving ability that he has, the decent, the running ability, he, he can work in this game. And he's a guy that you can look at and be like, hey, P. Ryan, we gave you the money to be the top guy. Well, Javante Williams is recovering and Kareem Hunt is the number two. And then you don't have to worry about Kareem Hunt a whole lot of being like, we're just still going to get your touches, but now we have our top two guys back a one-year deal about maybe $2 million. That's what I would be looking at for Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I I'm with you on that one. And that's quite honestly, in in this situation, especially after bringing in Frank Clark, um, not to add another bad personality to the room, but Kareem Hunt is the guy that it really piques my interest. Like that's the, that's the guy that I think the Broncos should go after. And you're, potentially going to get him at like you said one two million dollars a season maybe three bring him in here let him be a guy that has bell cow experience has starting experience is a very good running back better like really good out of the backfield good in pass protection carries the ball really well doesn't fumble the football very often so kareem hunts the guy that i have my eye on specifically michael ronquillo jumping in here we got to round the show out guys so thank you all for joining us michael ronquillo jumping in here at the bell a great show tonight lance and eric on dove valley deep divers go broncos and buckham thank you michael as always for your support we got troy boer in the house as well um throwing out some support uh justin uh trying to i think phil mclaughlin was in here as well thank you all for all of your donations we definitely appreciate all of you guys for joining us but guys, we have to wrap it up here. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric 
at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, please make sure you follow the mother account at Mile High Huddle to get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. Also, at DVDD underscore pod, that's the podcast account. You're going to find where we're talking about every single night. Uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you uh, go to uh, facebook.com backslash Mile High Huddle Pod. Join in the conversation. It's always going on over there. Get at us on Twitter. And, guys, if you like what we're doing here, if you like the Broncos content we bring you, please subscribe across all platforms. It's a ticker on the bottom of the screen here. Subscribe across all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your guys' podcasts. Uh, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video and article you guys see across all social media platforms. And if you love it, please share it. That's the best way to get in front of as many Broncos fans as possible. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, as always, it's been a great show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you all for joining us. Any last words, man? Yeah, I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Um, enjoy your you know, breaks from work for those of you who don't have to work weekends. And stay safe. Yeah, that, absolutely. And – I'm getting ready to go back and watch this Nuggets game. I don't know what the score is. Please don't spoil it for me in the comment stream. Uh, Go Nuggets. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You all stay safe and take care. Absolutely. And I'm getting ready to go back and watch this Nuggets game. I don't know what the score is. Please don't spoil it for me in the comment stream. Uh, Go Nuggets. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You all stay safe and take care.